You are listening to the European Bootstrapping Champions Podcast, brought to you by Russ Media Equity Partners, a show with and for bootstrappers to discuss ideas, opportunities, and to learn from tech entrepreneurs about what drives them and what is their key to success. Catch our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hello, I'm Nicola Zekai, Managing Partner at Rosmedia Equity Partners. Welcome to our podcast. Joining me today is Khalid El Ashka, founder and CEO of Spacewise, formerly also known as Pop-Up Shops. Um, Khalid, uh, thanks for joining us today. I think you're in New York at the moment. Yeah, correct. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. So it's, it, it's really early, right? It's, I think, nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's not that early. I'm I'm up since three and a half hours. So excellent, <laughs> excellent. Then let's start directly at the beginning. Can you tell our listeners what Spacewise is? Yes, Spacewise is basically a digital booking platform solution for retail landlords, or even more generic, um, it's a booking platform for physical customer touch points. So we're, we're bringing basically the concept of a booking engine, which is common in other industries like the hotel industry or the travel industry. We bring that to commercial real estate. So that kind of means who's your, who's your typical customer? Our typical customer is a, a medium to large size commercial real estate landlord who has um, a strategic a focus on uh, modern leasing, we call it. So what we see in the market is that there is a massively growing demand for flexible leases from tenants, brands. And so uh, landlords that want to basically capture that demand, they are our main uh, target group. So, so, for example, that would be an operator of a, of a, of a shopping center. Correct. Operator of a shopping center. It can be a transportation company with a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, train stations and basically promotional spaces or, or shops in these train stations. It can be a hotel that offers shopping shops. It can be an airport. It can be a cinema that offers promotional space in their uh, foyer or, or if they have a bigger entrance. So everyone who has... Uh, yeah, what I said before, basically a, a customer or potential customer touch point that they could offer, which could also involve uh, digital screens in the physical world. world. So uh, there in terms of the space that we're talking about, it doesn't necessarily only have to be space made out of concrete. All right. And then your company basically is is a marketplace that connects landlords on the one side and potential tenants on the other side. Is that correct? It, we started as a marketplace, but the, but the solution evolved into basically what we call now a uh, booking platform. The marketplace has become one marketing channel, um, which can generate basically increase or bookings for a landlord. But at the same time, we also offer a white label solution for landlords. So especially a larger landlord that has uh, dozens or hundreds of spaces that they want to offer. Uh, we allow them to operate their own booking platform branded in their own design. And this is their second channel. And so that's why also I made this, this comment about hotels, because that's exactly what the hotels are doing. They have their own website, but they also push out their inventory to many other channels, marketing channels, basically digital booking platforms. 
and we are replicating the same concept. At the moment, we offer the marketplace, which is popupshops.com, and the white label uh, platform, but we expect that we will connect to many more platforms in the future. Mm -hmm. So basically, you started as a marketplace and then as SaaS-enabled marketplace, and now the, the SaaS part of the business is growing in importance in offering white label Absolutely. solutions Correct. To, yeah. to customers. And who would you say is on the other side of the marketplace that it was originally? So on the one hand, you have the landlords, and on the other hand, you have uh, retail stores or... Yeah, exactly. So there it's actually quite broad. We have basically, when it comes to uh, type of tenants, we have on one side the traditional retail uh, players that are just looking for much more flexibility. And they started to adopt uh, basically pop-ups as part of their uh, distribution and marketing strategy because they're not willing anymore very often to yeah, to sign a five or 10-year lease to invest hundreds of thousands or millions in building out the space. So they, they really want to have more flexibility. But then aside from these, uh, let's say, existing players, we have also, um, uh, let's say, more kind of uh, market tenants. Like imagine uh, the, the Italian delicacy store or things like that, that is looking to, to occupy a space on a Saturday or on a Friday or Saturday in a shopping center. So, so that's another type of tenant, and especially these are recurring tenants. So they keep on coming back every week or every second week, something like that. So this is the, a type of lease where, for example, a shopping center in the past would spend several hours on each deal. And now it's a matter of minutes, basically, because they have this online booking uh, solution. And then we have two additional types that we, that we can identify. One is uh, basically the, yeah, what, what is known as the digital native vertical brand, basically. So a new breed of brand that started uh, online, but they, they often realize that the pure online channel is not enough for them to grow their business sustainably and to build loyalty with their customers. So they, they branch out into also physical space. But the thing there is that they are digital natives. So they're not part of these existing real estate networks where they would just pick up the phone and call someone in their little black book to find space, but they do the research online. And the same thing is on the on the landlord side. They don't have the direct connection to any of these new type of tenants that are doing their research online. And in the past, landlords also have not really utilized online marketing um, compared to many other industries. And so that's why also, for example, this white label portal is so important because we're enabling these commercial landlords to to offer a nice booking experience to tenants and, and a good funnel instead of just showing them a phone number or showing them a, a, a simple contact form. And then last but not least is basically uh, the uh, group of very established brands, but they are uh, new retail players. So there we're talking about car brands, for example, like Polestar that are starting to occupy spaces in urban areas where in the past that was not common, no, to have a car showroom on the high street, for example. And also there it's similar that, that they are not part of this existing real estate network and for them to get access to the right spaces, to talk to the right people and so on, they have basically the same difficulty as, as these digital native vertical brands. It makes a lot of sense if, if I come to think about it. I imagine that in the past or in the traditional process, 
every single lease involved kind of a long, drawn-out negotiation process, right? Um, so I contacted the, the leasing manager and then negotiated and uh, they drew up the contract and everything. And, and now I can do that online with one click. Basically, exactly. I mean, there is, is really, uh, we, we identified the process and, and analyzed it with several of our uh, partners. And we saw, for example, just renting a mall space so a promotional space or, or similar in, in a shopping center took over 25 steps, manual steps to get the deal done, which, which includes, of course, coordination about the dates, about the price, about whether this concept uh, is accepted in that shopping center or not, then drafting the contract, uh, creating um, uh, yeah, a dossier basically on on paper or or in an Excel and so on. And so all of that we basically compressed into a digital um, flow, which, as you said uh, before, um, in, in an ideal scenario, it's basically one click and we're taking care of contract, invoice, informing stakeholders, basically collecting the rent payment and so on. This is all done with one click. Isn't the price for the landlord um, then losing the ability to do to discriminate in pricing, meaning that you can negotiate individual fares for 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 each tenant according according to the ability to pay? Um, uh, no, because we offer different uh, uh, basically booking processes. So for each space, the landlord can define whether they want to receive non-binding increase or binding booking requests, how we call them, or even instant bookings. And for instant bookings also even I can define that uh, only certain type of tenants that I already know, that I already vetted, that they can uh, basically make an instant booking. But for the case that you mentioned, there we normally recommend a landlord to, to set uh, the booking flow to increase. Uh, when they receive that inquiry, it's totally non-binding for both sides. And if the landlord sees, okay, there is potential, we, we want to make an offer, then they can make an offer through the platform, which the tenant can accept and again, pay online or deposit a part of the, pay, uh, of the rent payment online. Excellent. Uh, I think uh, I think I understood it now, and I hope our, our listeners did did too. It's kind of the Booking.com for retail real estate um, spaces, pop-up stores. Um, Khalid, I know that many of our listeners are founders themselves, or are, or are thinking about founding their own company, and then therefore they're always very interested in kind of the personal story of the founder. Uh -huh. uh, would you mind telling us a bit about what you did before fund, funding your company? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, by formal education, I'm a business lawyer, but I already started in high school to write uh, software or to do web development. That's now yeah, 20 years ago. And um, yeah, I always had the urge to, to do projects, to, to start something new and see, and see how far I could uh, uh, basically bring it. And yeah, then I also had during my studies, I, I had a web agency. I had also the chance to work for several big companies in their digital strategy departments, which in many cases was the better education than any university education I could get. But at the same time, for this particular business now, for SpaceWise, I actually had the idea already 15 years ago. 
when I had a different startup, it was uh, the first online shop for tailor-made suits and shirts in Europe. That, and here we're talking about the time pre-iPhone, pre-iPad, and so on, where uh, such a complex product, yeah, consumers were not used to basically ordering such a complex product online. Now, I mean, we can order everything online, right? From the car to the, yeah, to the phone to, yeah basically custom-made uh, uh, products as well. But back then, that was not very common. And so I, I basically um, yeah, listened to my customers who were always asking, you know, is there not a physical touch point, a shop where we could go and at least the first time check the fabrics, get our measures yeah. taken, and so on? And I was really, initially, I, I was not um, very motivated to provide that because I, I wanted to stay asset light. I, I saw myself as an e-commerce business and not as someone uh, operating shops. But yeah, as a good, as a good uh, entrepreneur, you should listen to what your customers are saying. Sometimes. And so exactly, ideally, and um at least reflect on it exactly uh, and i did reflect on it and then i i said okay i'm going to provide that physical shop but i'm not going to sign any long-term lease i don't want to do that uh, because that's going to also increase my my risk my costs etc so i came across pop-ups and i said to myself okay i mean e-commerce is growing but nevertheless the physical touch point will always have a place and uh, when i realized that a uh, Back then, I mean, we're talking about the time 2006, 2007, uh, most landlords were not very motivated to offer this kind of deal because they were used to long-term leases and they only had a very low vacancy on, on their spaces. So it was very tough to find the space. Uh, we eventually found spaces and, and it worked out very, yeah, really very good. And um, yeah, I, I just took a mental note back then and said, okay, this is going to be a thing because real estate is a huge industry, right? I mean, it's the biggest asset class in the world. When we look across residential, commercial industry uh, in general, but um, yeah, I took that mental note and said, okay, one day I'm going to pursue that, but it's not the right time. But what I did is I just set up a very simple website. Uh, back then it was called popupstore.ch just for switzerland just to see what's what leads i could generate but at that time i was still studying i had my web agency so that and this and this online shop for tailor-made suits and um yeah this is basically the initial start but then fast forward 2014 2015 i had the feeling okay this could now work better basically i started to talk again to investors also to landlords and I saw that there was a better understanding now and basically landlords were, were not opposing uh, the idea of using a tool. But at the same time, they were like, you know, this is very niche. We still like, yeah, we, we barely have these kind of deals. And at the end of the day, I had to realize the pain is not there. Again, the timing is not right. Nevertheless, I said, okay, I can feel that this is accelerating. The trend is growing. So I did start with the basic underlying software development, uh, but didn't go full-time on this. And I eventually decided to go full-time actually in late summer 2019. That's pre-pandemic, not, not anticipating the pandemic. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, where, where I then really saw, okay, the pain has now become so big for landlords that they cannot evade this situation anymore. Before, it was like, okay, we can sit this out. When we're talking about New York, where I am at the moment, no, 
uh, back then already, 2015, 2016, every block had at least one vacant retail space. Every block, so or every street side of every block. So you had four vacant retail spaces. Now, when you walk every block or every side of every block has at least two or three. At le- yeah, in Midtown, for example, where, where I am at the moment, it's at least three units. So th- it, it's, a very, it's a very sad picture. And we have come to the point where they can't sit it out anymore. So what is happening now is, and that's what I keep on telling to landlords, that the operational risk is increasing. Either I'm doing a long-term deal with a very low base rent and I include some turnover rent or similar, or I switch my business model and that's where we come in with our solution, where we then basically say, okay, offer a built-out space instead of a concrete shell and that allows you to accommodate or host in that sense uh, more tenants in uh, um, yeah, with just short, shorter lease durations. And so, yeah, so uh, in 2019, I, I said, okay, I'm going to go full-time on this. I started to talk to investors. And then, yeah, we, we closed our first financing round in uh, March 2020. Uh, that was already lockdown in, or, or shutdown in Europe. But our investors' uh, belief in, in the long-term viability of the business and in the long-term impact of this trend to, to shorter leases, to smaller spaces, and so on, and so that's, in short, basically the story of uh, SpaceWise. And I mean, since then, since March 2020, it it has also evolved a lot from just being the marketplace to this now end-to-end uh, digital booking platform, which also offers this white-label solution. So what you're saying is basically, in order for your idea to take off, you needed... You need a lot of pain on the side of the landlords for them to move to a new model, right? Correct, correct. So, I mean, I, and, and I have full understanding for that. If you look at the, how the a, a retail landlord has uh, operated in the past, they would basically uh, offer a space within a very short amount of time. They would have a good selection of tenants that were willing to sign a 10-year deal or even longer in some cases. They would sign that deal, and then in most cases for the next 10 years, they would just collect the rent, and they would just offer a concrete shell. So whatever build-out costs uh, were were to be carried were basically uh, um, yeah, paid by the tenant. So that was a very, yeah, a very, I would say, relaxed business also. And then suddenly now they are put under uh, a lot of pressure, um, uh, like tenants are not willing anymore to basically uh, commit to this kind of deal. And so that's why it's it's a complete transformation of so their business model. Very, it was just a very good business. <laughs> not too much yeah, work. exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm I mean, making it complicated if it's working, right? Correct, correct. But now, of course, the market has changed. We're, in, we're clearly in the tenant's market. And um, a landlord is much more now um, than just someone offering space. They have to create from from their uh, basically building, it has to become a destination. It has to have a certain name. It has to attract uh, foot traffic and so on. And shopping centers already uh, do that since a longer time. That's why also for us, they are early adopters. And that's why we're currently focusing a lot on them because they have experience in these kind of deals, they just do it at the moment 
in very often in a manual fashion, but you're not, or we don't have to preach to them about the viability and how interesting this uh, flexible leasing model is, but we only uh, basically can help them to make their business as efficient as possible and help them optimize revenue and, and occupancy. But at the same time, what's happening now in, let's say, for urban real estate is similar, that, that a lot of commercial landlords um, yeah, ha- have identified this opportunity and are also adjusting their business accordingly. Mm-hmm. You mentioned at the beginning that um, you started out as a marketplace. And I mean, every marketplace faces... Uh, the big uh, problem of, of, of the chicken and the egg, so to speak. So, so um, uh, it's, when you have a lot of demand on your platform, then it's easy to find um, supply and, and vice versa. Um, but when you're at the beginning, obviously, uh, since you don't have any potential tenants, you're not interesting to the landlords. And since you don't have landlords, you're not interesting to the tenants. How did you solve that? Well, in, in our case, it it became pretty clear that we need to have supply first, basically, in order to attract demand. And that's why also, for example, now during 2020 and 2021, where a a lot of the European markets were also heavily uh, restricted, we really focused on um, attracting as much supply as possible because we we knew once the market opens up again there's going to be a pent up demand to some extent but also in general it's it's good for us to have enough supply um so uh, and 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 also this has also changed in the sense that what what you mentioned before that you need to have demand in order to attract supply and vice versa this might have been like that a couple of years ago but now a lot of landlords have have also realized that they need to yeah, use every channel possible, basically, to, to attract tenants. And so that has become easier, basically. In And by now, the marketplace also has reached a certain size where we have uh, over 5,000 listings and, and we are, we're very good uh, ranked in Google and, and other search engines. But of course, that took time. That was not overnight. But how, just, it's, it's, I think it's really interesting always to our listeners, how did you approach your first customer? How did you win them over? The first customers, um, I mean, there it depends a bit. We don't have that customer. It, it, like we, we might have a landlord that has, that has um, yeah, dozens of shopping centers with hundreds of spaces, or we might have a landlord like an art gallery owner that has only one space. So there, depending on the type of landlord, we uh, approach them differently. So the acquisition strategy is might be online, online marketing, might be cold outreach through through uh, basically cold calling, cold emailing. But uh, initially, w- um, I got a very good advice from from our uh, f- yeah from one of our advisors, uh, Heinz Schwitter, former CEO of HomeGate. Maybe you know him. And he said, you know, when we started HomeGate, basically one of the leading uh, marketplaces in Switzerland, no, or classified marketplaces in Switzerland, he, he said, um, we went and we talked to the owners of of the properties not necessarily only to uh, property managers or brokers depending on the market um and so we actually did the same and so that's how we first attracted the initial spaces that we went to owners and we told them you know um 
And they often agreed that they said, you know, we have this space here, it's, a, it's in a prominent location, it shouldn't be vacant, and if we can generate some revenue with that, even better, but it's, it's also important that it's not vacant. And so, yeah, that slowly but steadily, we, we started to uh, attract inventory onto the platform. And then also, yeah, basically during the pandemic now, 2020, 2021, we, we test a lot, really a lot of different things. And and that really helped also in identifying how to attract certain spaces the right way, basically, for them to really then stay on the platform as well. Now I can see how the crisis uh, maybe 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 really helped you, no? Because there was, I'm sure, there was a moment when retail landlords were desperate for just any any opportunity to attract more more tenants. So maybe a good example um, if we see that uh, times are getting a bit more difficult now in the market, especially on the fundraising side. Maybe yours is a good example that. Um, Difficult times, crises also offer opportunities. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in in the short term, uh, this was also devastating for us. I mean, we we also from one day to the other, um, yeah, went to zero basically when it comes to revenue. Um, and I remember in January 2020, I was in Southeast Asia, um, and yeah, there was uh, basically this talk about this new SARS virus. But who would have thought that this thing will spiral into this global uh, catastrophe, basically? Um, but yeah, in, in the medium to long run, business-wise, it's, it's definitely for us uh, uh, good in the sense that it's um, accelerating an existing trend. It's not like this trend was not before mm -hmm. uh, an, an existing trend, but it, it has definitely massively accelerated. Uh, but in terms of maybe, uh, because uh, I want to point that out in terms of um, landlords being desperate, you could say that in some cases, but on the other hand, I'm still sometimes surprised how uh, digitalization is is in the in very early stages when it comes to real estate. I mean, before going full-time on SpaceWise, I worked roughly uh, three and a half years for UBS. I managed their digital partnerships in Switzerland. And... Back then, I realized, uh, yeah, how, how the finance industry, in terms of digitalizations, uh, how much potential is still there. Because I knew it from other industries which were really, yeah, highly digitized. And real estate is still in the very, very early stages. And this is sometimes also, um, yeah, still a hindrance that basically, despite desperation, as you called it before, um, it's sometimes hard for people to basically adopt a new process or, or new tools. Uh, yeah, despite that they see, okay, what we're doing at the moment doesn't work or doesn't reap exactly the, the results that we're looking for. And, and so that's also uh, still interesting for us to see that despite all these difficulties that push basically people in a certain direction, how they still resist to some extent. But I guess that's a normal process in terms of adopting a new solution or adopting new tools. That's, uh, yeah, it's not I the first time, basically. And, and, and it's definitely not going to be the last time. <laughs> uh, Khalid, maybe, maybe you can uh, give us, um, as far as you as you are able to, some um, key figures on where you stand now, like how big is the company in terms of employees, in terms of sales, how many 
partners do you have on the platform already? Well, we have in terms of uh, the platform, when it comes to the marketplace, we have over a thousand landlords on the platform and uh, several 10,000 registered brands across mainly uh, Germany, Switzerland, UK and US. And um, in terms of uh, team size, we are a team of 15 across three continents. Um, sales figures, uh, we don't publicly mention them, uh, but we, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share some information with you privately. But um, we are, we're uh, growing, or we have grown from 2020 to 2021 by 7x on our revenue, and we're targeting uh, basically at least the same growth in 2022. Oh, that's impressive. Uh, two times in a row, 7x is, is, is um, not a bad number, especially in a, in a still challenging retail environment. Um, excellent. Now, after, I think, about three years of running the company, um, is there anything where you'd say that was kind of the, the biggest challenge or the worst moment, or there was a moment when I thought maybe it's not going to work? Was that Corona starting or...? Um, no, Corona. I mean, basically taking all the externalities aside because we, we, we don't have a lot of influence on that. I think the most uh, challenging part, but also most uh, fulfilling part to some extent is building the team. So really bringing uh, together like-minded people that, that, that embody the same culture of, of, Uh, wanting to serve the customer, wanting to build something and, and really build an international uh, company. I, I think that's the yeah, biggest challenge, but also the most rewarding thing uh, for me. And um, otherwise, in terms of that, it's not going to work out. No, no. So that's, no, that's, that's neither an option nor I believe where, I mean, I, I always say we are in two of the biggest markets We are in terms of uh, real estate or retail real estate. This is a huge asset class now, which, which is now shifting. I think it's one of the few industries left that are uh, basically ahead of this massive transformation, or we could even say disruption. It's a word that has, uh, that has not been used very often in the last couple of years because a lot of markets or industries have already been disrupted. And on the other hand, retail, when it comes to retail, that's often the biggest employer in most markets. So we're touching these two huge markets. And that's, for me, a massive motivator. Because when we can see how much we can enable through our solution on the landlord side, but also especially on the tenant side, in terms of the businesses, how, how we can help them find uh, space and basically realize their concepts and dreams, That's really uh, something where I say, yeah, there's so much potential. Uh, uh, there is no, there's no way that this doesn't work out, basically. That's a very good point. I think, I mean, uh, real estate being the largest asset class in the world, and as you say, retail probably being the largest sector in terms of, at least in terms of employment, probably also in terms of revenue created in the global economy. So that's certainly huge. Um, you mentioned that hiring the right people was maybe the, the most important challenge. Do, do, do you have any rules when it comes to hiring people? Who do you look for or any, any guidelines or rules on how you decide who, who's right for your team and who is not? 
Well, it's um, we we always uh, basically do the interview process in the team, so it's it's never just me. That's one thing. The other thing is that I believe very much in mindset. So I'm I'm also an an autodidact basically myself when when it comes to writing software, and so I believe if someone has the right mindset, they can basically bridge any kind of gap they might have in terms of skills. Uh, but if that mindset initially is not there, um, yeah, any skill set they might have is is not as valuable, basically. Because as a startup, we have so many different challenges. E- everyone is wearing 20 different hats, if necessary. And so um, that's really something that I had to learn. And we also had, yeah, two or three uh, hires where we, where we realized, okay, it's not a fit. Uh, but I think that's also where where it's important to to realize that and then to sit down with the person and to yeah to basically talk that out and and find a solution um but otherwise yeah i think that would be the basic rule that uh, like many people say culture eats strategy for breakfast i like to say uh, yeah mindset eats skill set for breakfast yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I like to say will is more important than skill like i can agree with that yeah um Excellent. Uh, Khalid, maybe uh, already coming a bit to an end of our podcast, uh, as mentioned before, many uh, founders and, and, and people who might start their own companies are listening usually. Um, any advice from you for somebody thinking about starting their own startup? Yeah, I mean, there, um, be patient. Timing is more important than most people think because if you if you bring a solution to the market it might be super innovative super creative but if the timing is not right and what i mentioned uh, the pain basically is not there on the customer side uh, one will will just uh yeah grind him or herself basically uh, uh trying to sell that but if yeah if the timing is not right then then so identifying whether the timing is right i think is super crucial and for that one needs to talk to customers talk to uh, also investors or people that have a very good and deep knowledge of the market um because just making assumptions just because i like that solution or i believe this product is great it doesn't mean that it will actually work right um and yeah and then at the same time also when seeking investment really look initially for very smart money so people that that can also endure sometimes uh, difficult times that that don't put unnecessary pressure on the business um when when the yeah, times are are hard um Yeah, and then aside from that, what I mentioned before, uh, look to build a great team. And I think there you can also see if someone is really super motivated, just to give a very concrete example, then they will even accept, let's say, a below market salary because they really believe in the opportunity. If someone comes, and that happens sometimes, they have a background in working big corporations and they are looking for a change but then when you talk about salary or similar then it's it's like it's still very far away <laughs> from what a startup can can uh, um yeah pay and so yeah in terms of team really to 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 build 
a, a team of like-minded individuals that that have also strong opinions. I think that's really important. It's not. It doesn't make sense to just have uh, yes sayers, uh, but really people that have their opinion and also defend these opinions. And at the end of the day, the yeah, ideally the best ideas should win, and not just uh, because someone is the founder or someone is uh, I don't know first employee whatever. Um, I think that's very important. Yeah, thanks a lot. Excellent advice. I, I, I wrote down: build a great team, look for smart money, and be patient. Uh, wait until the market is right. Excellent advice. I think from Khalid El Ashka, founder and CEO of Spacewise. Thanks a lot, uh, Khalid, for joining us and and for sharing for sharing uh, your advice and your experience. Um, Thanks a lot. Uh, good luck on the journey forward. And I'm sure it's going to be a huge company because, as you said, the market certainly is very big. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, Nicola. It was well. a pleasure. This podcast was brought to you by Rest Media Equity Partners. Thank you for listening. And make sure to subscribe to our channel so you never miss a show. If you liked it, be sure to share it. Thank you.